Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Have you ever had a pain in your gut that has bothered you for a long time, but you couldn't figure out what was going on? Sometimes this happens from the foods we eat, and sometimes there is something more going on in your gut, like a pathogen of some sort. And if you aren't looking at the issue the right way, you might not realize exactly what is going on. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today I have Reed Davis of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition on the show to talk about GI pathogens and what we can do to clean up our systems. So let's dive into my conversation with Reed. Reed Davis is a holistic health practitioner and certified nutritional therapist and is an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. He is the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, and he teaches the FDN course to over 2,500 trainees and graduates across 50 countries and has provided functional lab assessments to over 10,000 clients. Thank you for coming on to the show, Reed. Brian, thanks so much for having me here. Hope to do some good. Of course, and I'm I'm sure you will, uh, especially with you, you know your extensive background. And speaking of your background, I'd love to hear you know what got you into functional nutrition and uh, what brought you to where you are today. Uh, thanks so much. You know, it, it's been very interesting. Over 20 years ago, in the 90s, in the last century, I was actually in environmental law. And so I was saving the planet, you know, air, birds, water, trees, bees. And what I started noticing as I did environmental reme remediation, you know, all the dead animals and birds and plants and even water, you know, and I thought, well, what in the heck is it doing to me and us people? So I completely changed directions in about the year 1999 to what's it doing to people? What, you know, and what about health of us? You know, I mean, I love the animals, but <laughs> people are more important. And I went to work at a clinic, and it's fascinating that they just trusted me. I had a good background in research and writing and things, and um, they actually turned the place over to me to run it. And I had the op amazing opportunity to go to this these classes these nutrition classes with the owner who was a chiropractor she was getting her diplomat in nutrition and said i could go as her assistant you know come to the classes with me so i did and then she let me work on her patients in between classes and i was just uh, amazed I, I fell in love with the clinical side and with, with working with people one-on-one -on -one. so i've spent the last 20 plus years doing that and um what uh, this is real quick but what amazed me brian about everybody walking in the door at that clinic was they'd all seen five or more practitioners sometimes 10 and still had their original complaints now as, from the law background and consumer advocacy i thought that's a ripoff you know uh how could that be like let's why don't why don't we see what we could do to find out what's really wrong with you and help you fix it. And I decided then, naively, that I would be the last person they needed to see. Well, I'm gonna be the last person, you know. Um, 
And to this day, I teach. Now I teach the system. I dealt, It took me 10 years of working in the clinic, running thousands of labs on thousands of people, making my own observations, along with the great mentorship that I had. I had great mentors. But I, I, I just had such a super high volume of work. I was just really good at getting new customers, too. And so uh, I ran thousands of labs on thousands of people. I, you, you make some observations. You make some mistakes. But you learn a lot. I'm very good at recognizing patterns. And I recognize some patterns that, boy, if people would just investigate this with the labs, the hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, some others, and then, you know, apply the principles of healing. No medical diagnosis or treatment. It's all based in nutrition and, you know, lifestyle, exercise and rest and reducing stress and these kind of things. So we had got just amazing results, like, like it became a system just it just evolved and then i finally uh you know packaged it up so that others could learn it too is learn on a gradient step by step and then guess what now instead of just me helping a lot of people we have a couple thousand practitioners helping a lot of people so it's really grown into this wonderful uh organization and and effort you know that that we have a you know, we have a big tribe and it's getting bigger I'm really curious because you mentioned that um, the work that you were doing previous to this had to deal with the environment and the impact it has on animals. And then you transitioned into what that could be doing to humans. It seems like humans are very resilient. Like we can take a lot of abuse before things start to get out of whack. Is that true from what you've seen being on both sides of that? Or do you think we are more, we're less in tune with what's going on with our body? Yeah, people are like that proverbial Timex watch. You know, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking. We can take a lot of abuse, man. I mean, you see people who are not only the subject to all the environmental stressors and things in life that can uh, affect your body, uh, but then standard medicine also, just the way that that's handled is can be a, another contributor to what I call metabolic chaos. So you could have some health problems, go get help and get worse because you're not dealing with the true origination um, of that disease or illness or whatever it is. So one thing kind of piles upon another. There's people walking around, they're missing body parts because of modern medicine, you know, like, like this, well, we'll take pills for a while and then eventually we'll just take the parts out, you know, well, parts don't grow back. And so, yeah, I've seen, you know, a lot, people can really take, take a lot of abuse, man. And, but, and yet, you know, we're, you know, we're, uh, we're just so adaptive. We have these, this innate intelligence in every cell that wants to be better. You know, it wants to re return to balance or homeostasis if you want. And um, so that innate intelligence is what we work with. We work with the desire of every cell, tissue, organ, and system. It wants to be healthier. It will um, just take nutrients out of dirt if it, if it had to. Even when you eat absolute crap food, you know, it's going to, the body want, it'll pull, it'll find the vitamins and the minerals and the essential fatty acids and, the, and other things, uh, phytonutrients and trace elements and what have you. It'll find those things if it can, desperately and try to survive. And you had mentioned that you're really good at 
uh, looking for patterns. And uh, one of the things I want to chat with you today is different pathogens in the gut because I've had a lot of different guests on talking about digestive health, uh, but no one's really brought up the idea of different pathogens that could disrupt the GI tract. So what patterns have you seen and pathogens that are causing a lot of destruction in people's guts? And what would that look like? Well, yeah, we run pathogen tests and we find pathogens and then they can be uh, dealt with. Um, generally, there's a lot of uh, things going on inside your body. Like one thing we look for is the DNA of these bugs. And what you recognize is, is DNA that's not yours. You know, and it's generally done through stool testing and there's saliva testing. There's other ways to check. But so you, you, you are a host for stuff that's not you. And so there's two ways to look at that. Well, is it the bug or is it the host? So I've looked at both. I've spent 20 years uh, determining that uh, both are critical, both are really important. So um, there's a lot of practitioners still today, and, and uh, it's, it's okay, but you know they, they listen to a set of symptoms and say, well, that sounds like a parasite or a bacteria or a fungus or a virus or some pathogen, some, some bug. Um, so it sounds like that. So let's check for that. And you can run a stool test or whatever you run and say, oh, look, I found your problem. And I would contend, this is from sheer experience, that if that's your point of view, that I found your problem uh, and we're going to give you this uh introduce an agent to treat that problem, uh, uh, you know, chase the bugs away, if you will, or kill the bug, that you're going to leave probably more than half your clients or patients uh, unsatisfied because it's not the bug, it's the host. And so I learned this 20 years ago when people would come in the office and I would run stool testing for bugs back then and say, oh, look what I found. It's, uh, you know, H. pylori, which is a bacteria, or Cryptosporidium parvum, which is a parasite, or and on and on. And they would say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I've already seen a couple people. One told me I had fungus, and one told me I had this, and I've already treated for something two years ago, and, and I got better for a while, but then I didn't get, you know, now here I am again with just one more pathogen. In a, so that's a pattern that I recognize, Brian, is that people, you know, if you think you're, oh, I found your problem. No, you didn't. You know, not if that's what you, if you think the bug is the problem, it's because they're unhealthy. It's because they don't have an immune system that's resistant to these opportunistic organisms, that, which will take over if you let them. And so the pattern I recognize is it's the host. <laughs> Uh, people have one after another of these bugs. So the problem isn't the bug. So what's going on with the host to um, make that environment acceptable for a pathogen uh, to thrive? Well, good that you recognize it. You know, some people are just better hosts for bugs than others. And it could be due to a long history of uh, maybe the way they've looked after themselves or not looked after themselves. And a lot of people have destroyed the normal uh, microbiome. So we have uh, biosis and dysbiosis. We have uh, an imbalance between good and bad flora in the body. So there's a lot of uh, flora or bacteria, if you will, um, that's not you, but it's part of you. So we, we exist uh, and coexist with this microbiome. 
and it's uh, there's a very healthy balance. There's you know some of these bacteria are actually very beneficial. They help us break down food and absorb nutrients, and um, they're actually part of the immune system. Now there's always a small amount of these unwanted, uh, unfriendly flora, but you need a little bit of that too. Why would you need some uh, a, a balancing good and bad flora? Why not just all good? Well, because some of those bad flora keep your immune system active so that it's ready for something more virulent to come down the pipes. And so when you're out of balance, you actually become more susceptible to the sort of bigger, more virulent type bacteria or even parasites. I just look at them as like the bigger bugs, you know. And then, of course, there's the uh, fungi uh, uh, and and there's there's obviously <laughs> viruses Everyone knows that today. And so you then you become a good host for them. So it's kind of, you know, this might not be a politically correct analogy, but if you look at a, uh, a bad neighborhood and the people that live in it and everything's kind of dirty and dangerous, um, our guts could be compared to that. And if you just chase away the bad characters, but don't fix the neighborhood, you got to fix the broken windows and paint paint everything and clean up the sidewalks, whatever. If you don't do that, then guess what? The the bums are just going to move right back in. And so, I, again, it's not a politically correct analogy, but I see it every single day practice. And I, I teach along those lines of it's the host, it's the environment, uh, the the restoring proper uh, balance in the microbiome. It's, it's really critical. Yeah. So when it comes back to, um, you know, your previous career in environmental stuff, you're seeing a lot of that coming into play with the humans, just like you mentioned, because you're um, getting uh, you're in contact with viruses, bacteria, fungi, all sorts of different environmental factors. And then, like you're saying, the host, depending upon their health as a host or their susceptibility to these types of pathogens will increase or decrease how their body reacts once it, one of these pathogens sets their home up and starts proliferating. Yes, exactly. With the caveat that there are some bugs that might not care how healthy you are, they're going to kick your butt. Like if you get off a plane from West Africa and your temperature is 105 and you're bleeding from your eyeballs, you don't call your health coach. You go directly to an emergency room and get attendant care, heroic care. You need to have your life saved, you know, by modern medicine that's what it's good at and they can intervene hopefully to uh you know save you from drowning in that pool of uh you know uh, viral overload and so um what we just agreed on is true with the caveat that there's some bugs that are really bad for everybody so when you're testing people um, what percentage of the people that you have worked with do you think have some sort of GI pathogen that they're dealing with? Well, that's a really good question. Now, obviously, I'm only dealing with the unhealthy population, so we're not testing healthy people. For the most part, people come to us with something, Brian, something about the way they look or the way they feel that they want to change, and sometimes desperately. So we're, we're finding a very high percentage, way more than half. And if you allow me to leave it there, I will. But way more than half 
uh, have some kind of at least dysbiosis. That's the mildest form. Then you go into, well, not only is it out of balance, this normal floras, you know, but there's something on top of some opportunistic organism on top of that organism on top of that. And so that's, you know, really big percentage of people who aren't well. And you just mentioned the way uh, people look, right? Which is a, a big complaint for a lot of people. They want to change their aesthetics and then the rest of the health is kind of second um, <laughs> to what their ultimate goal is. So how would something like this impact someone, the way someone looks, whether it's weight or whether it's um, skin conditions or anything like that? Well, you just hit it. You know, usually um, it's the skin or the uh, overweight and uh, aging and, so, you know, premature signs of aging, you know, uh, things like that. Um, now you can get very specific, but, um, you know, it's the way you feel like you're tired, fatigued. Uh, could be worse sinuses, allergies, moodiness, irritability, you know, digestive problems, uh, aches and pains too, swollen joints. I mean, it could just be so many complaints along with that, that aren't as um, visible. Well, you can see it if you know what to look for, the signs and symptoms. Um, but yeah, something about the way you look or the way you feel that you want to change. It could be anything from a horn growing out the top of your head to just, you know, a few blemishes here and there. You know, or like, you know, some people are 10 pounds overweight and are afraid to go out in public. Other people are 110 pounds overweight, you know, and imagine how some of them might feel. So um, it's all relative to a person. And that's why we we spend a lot of our time working with each person as a unique individual. There, there's um, you just have to do it that way. What what about a pathogen would cause someone to uh, possibly gain weight? <laughs> well, when you are not um, metabolically efficient and eat the wrong foods, you're going to probably gain unwanted weight. You know, so weight gain, we're usually talking about uh, fat, which is unsightly. So you don't feel good about the way you look and, and you really don't look that good, maybe in a bathing suit or something. So um, pathogens cause interference in normal uh, physiology and, and metabolism. So they're what I call one contributor to metabolic chaos, but they're just one of many things. I mean, the, if you're breathing particulates in the air that are harmful, that's another contributor to metabolic chaos. If you're eating foods that you're sensitive to, that your body uh, looks at as an invader of some sort or offending uh, particle. That's another form of it, or contributor to metabolic chaos. So I categorize, and this is a pattern of recognizing parasites is just one, or you know unwanted pathogen, pathogenic um, invaders. They're just one more form of uh, environmental stress, if you will. They come from outside. They get to the inside and they harm you. They cause disruption in normal metabolism, metabolic pathways. So you can gain weight. You can end up with bad skin, bad breath. I mean, uh, hair falling out. And again, sinuses, allergies, all of these things can come from just uh, what's, what's out there that we don't want to be to harbor very much of. And we want to nurture our body's ability to be resistant and still stay within 
an equilibrium um, still function normally. And so that's kind of the goal to function normally. Earlier, you had mentioned um, possibly using a stool test to test for different pathogens. Um, is there one test that is looking for a wide variety of pathogens, or do you have to try and pick and choose which ones you want to uh, be looking for and then get a test for that? And on top of that, what have you found to be the best test that you like to use? Uh, well, those are great questions. You know, and me, I'm always taking the broadest view possible. So. Um, first of all, when you're spending a client's money on lab work, you're supposed to know what you're looking for. You should have very, you should have done a very good history taking uh, list of all their symptoms and everything they've tried so far to get rid of it. And so you have a complete picture of a person. You've already formed an impression about a person before you spend any of their money on lab work. So now you should know what you're looking for. And that avoids using going on a fishing trip to hope you catch something. That's really your more inexperienced clinician who doesn't know what they're looking for, you know. And this is why, even though I teach a course in functional lab work, you know, I, I try to instill uh, very judicial use, especially when you're spending someone else's money. And so, so with that in mind, there are. Uh, wide nets you can cast just to look at the broadest number of things. Um, most of those are DNA tests, looking for DNA that's not yours. And um, they can run uh, along with that other functional labs looking for digestive markers, immune system markers, and, and things that are very helpful. Um, those are good tests. Uh, uh, you know, there's one I like called the GI map, for instance, and I have a very good relationship with the scientists uh, behind that, Dr. Tom and the people there. So, um, and they'll come and educate and they educate our group and they're, they're just, and they understand too that health coaches aren't looking so much for treatment options as they are for healing opportunities. That's a really important consideration. Um, you know, physicians tend to want to know what's the disease and how do I, treat it that in other words you label it uh cryptosporidium giardia you know h pylori you know candida you you label the condition and then here's the treatment some agent so they tend to take on all commerce and um there's not a lot of consideration of all the variables now as a health coach the variables are exactly what we're most interested in you know who is this person and and uh, how do they live? What kind of environment do they have? And, you know, like, what do they eat? And what time do they go to bed? And, you know, how much exercise do they get? And, and how much toxicity is in their life? You know, so, so we, we care a lot more about the, the variables. And I think to answer your question is, uh, you know, it depends on who's looking at the test results. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a big piece definitely is the interpretation part, just like you said, depending on who is looking at the results and what they can make out of it. Um, and like you also said, the pathogens is just a small portion of the puzzle um, and you want to take a broader look at the host itself. So when you are assessing someone to see what type of host they are for these pathogens, are you doing different tests to see um, what's going on inside of their body as well? Are you looking for different nutrient uh, deficiencies or acidity markers or anything like that? It's a great question. We definitely look at the 
uh, entire microbiome if we can. So you, I'm not sure I answered your last question very well, but the idea is that there are wide nets, and it was an astute question. And there are more narrow ways of looking for specific bugs. Like um, you don't see it a lot anymore, but microscopy was always really good because now you have a human actually looking for some, uh, some, some lab rat who's just really good at recognizing, you know, bug parts, you know, arms and legs or whatever, these bugs, um, you know, for, for eggs and uh, what they call ovum and things like that. So there's also antigen testing, which is very good. That's looking at the body's immune response to it. So you're actually seeing the bug. You're seeing that the body's elevated some antibodies specific to that particular antigen. So there's that way. And, and there's uh, also culturing. You can put stool little swabs in a various number of Petri dishes and see what kind of fuzz grows on it. Well, that's another way to look. So it's very helpful if you know your client, you know what you're looking for, at least generally, and then you can run the appropriate test. But then today, that's kind of some of that cool lab technology is going out the window with these very wide nets, um, the DNA type testing. And then, um, you know, how, how you treat it and treat the host and improve them is really critical. You can't just stamp out the bug. That's like chasing the bums out of the neighborhood. You got to fix up the neighborhood. So again, I'm still not sure I'm answering your exact question, but hopefully that illuminates a little bit more. Um, you can let me know. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, t- a tough question to answer, right? Because there's a lot of variables, and we're trying to simplify something that's very complex in a way that's um a little bit more actionable. Um, but speaking of treatment options and protocols, let's just take um, you know, something super simple like a a pattern that you've seen many times with someone. Can you show us just an example of what a protocol might look like to um, help someone that might not be the best host for a pathogen and then how you uh, filter that down into trying to eradicate the pathogen and fixing the host at the same time? Yeah, and I'll try to keep it from getting too complex uh, but it's what's going on is pretty complex. Like you asked me the question about how can a parasite make you, uh, you know, gain weight? Well, it makes you unhealthy and unhealthy people, especially if they eat wrong, uh, lose weight. And so what, what I've developed over all these years for a number of reasons is a, a complete holistic lifestyle program. And so we find that if you eat right, and get the right type of rest and you exercise those are good places to start now then you also have to deal with stress reduction now parasites bacteria funguses viruses food sensitivities the air you breathe you know what's in your uh food and water and things like that can be very stressful so there's all these hidden stressors including bugs as i sort of indicated they're just one more they're just one more contributor to metabolic chaos and of course, supplementation, I think getting the right nutrients uh, is also very important. What you don't get from food, you can uh, substitute with supplementation. Supplementation can also be used to stimulate or support certain organs or systems like digestion or the thyroid or the immune system. You can, you can do less supportive things to get you over a hump. So that protocol, you just asked me a protocol question. I put it all into the D-R-E-S-S, D-R-E-S-S, diet, 
rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation. And there is a right diet for you. It may not be the right diet for me. There's no one diet that's right for everybody. You know, there's certain foods bad for everybody, but no one diet that you could just say is right for everyone. So you have to find your own right diet. We know how to do that. Sleep cycle is incredibly important. You treat every cell, tissue, organ, system in the body simultaneously when you get a good night's sleep. The same thing with eating. The same thing with exercise. It's nonspecific treatment for anything that's wrong with you. It keeps keeps you healthy. You, you know, sitting is the new smoking. You can't be healthy if you don't eat right and go to bed and get a good night's sleep and exercise. And in terms of the stress reduction and supplementation, there's a lot of labs you could run to help figure out the hidden stressors, including things like environmental pollutant panels and heavy metals and, you know, on, on top of the parasites, bacteria, and other pathogens and food sensitivities and things. And then supplementation should be customized uh, for each individual too. Now, by the way, if you didn't notice, that spells D-R-E-S-S, dress. It's dress for health success. That's a that's a system so so successful that we've had it trademarked. You know, my certified practitioners all just say, look, you know, whatever your problems are, the answer is dress for health success. And because guess what? We're not physicians, and this is how this was created. I wasn't a physician, I was an environmentalist now working in a wellness center. And I had to come up with something completely holistic and, you know, nonspecific because otherwise I'd getting, gotten accused of, you know, practicing medicine without a license. So, and coming from a law background, I'm not going to do anything like that. So what I helped do is really establish what is the backyard? What is the sandbox of a health coach? You know, what can we do? Well, we can. We don't treat anything specifically. We treat everything non-specifically because whether no no parasites are, are maybe a little um, wedge that you could carve where there could be a uh, integration between the the medical backyard or sandbox and ours because there is sometimes a person with certain uh, you know bugs it might be better just have them go get treated for a couple of weeks by their doctor you know but then you get out of the woods or you get that thing handled um and now the health coaches purview and, and backyard is to now make you really healthy so it doesn't get back uh, to the way it was you, you become a much more resistant to that thing so how do we do that we work on every cell every tissue you know every system every organ simultaneously with a complete holistic lifestyle program and it's actually pretty easy to follow you know eat right go to bed exercise reduce stress and take your supplements you know it's, it it's a daily living kind of a thing and you'll have some roller coaster you and also as this kind of health coach you can relax a bit because you, you may not like finally resolve every single person's every last health problem why is that well because we all have them we're all different and in the pursuit of health brian you know this from all the work you've done there's no one at the top of the stairway like i don't know anyone perfectly healthy so I don't feel compelled to help clients get perfectly healthy. 
I myself at 66 years old, I feel like I'm in in really good shape. I've been biomarked to where I'm actually about 40 biologically. But so, but I'm still on the stairway. I'm still, there's no gurus. I'm not a guru and neither are you. That's what I like to tell people, you know, but we're on the stairway. So I may have less steps to go than a person who's weighed. There's people you come across, your clients have a lot of steps to go and we help them up the steps and they could even pass us, you know, because you're educating on the principles involved. And so that's just kind of how I look at protocol is, it's all holistic. It's all behavior. And there's specific, you know, even though I say we, we don't treat anything specifically, there are, there are things to do that are very therapeutic uh, that can be applied by a person on themselves. You know, so that's how we handle that. We educate people. You could do this, you know, or you can go see your doctor. And uh, we're pretty chill about it. So the acronym DRESS is that in order of importance or or are they all as equally important well it's you know a component i mean um they're all really important some are a little easier to do some some people already eat really well but they might sleep lousy and not exercise so you what you do with the clients you find the weakest area and then the you know diet is always you know, you could start there with most people, but, you know, it might be the, the other elements. And, and certainly you have to do the investigation. So our methodology is three steps. It's assess, like you form your impression about a person. Then you run some lab work if, if needed, and, and everyone does if they're ill, Ill enough. Um, and you find the healing opportunities there. So you assess, you assess some more. And then you create a program, a dress, customized dress program, the right diet for you and, and you know, what you need to do to improve sleep and all these other things, especially those hidden stressors. We've identified some. And so, again, you know, one is to assess, two is to create a dress program. Well, guess what number three is? Someone's got to run the program. <laughs> and that's where the rubber meets the road in health coaching is, you know, can you get your client to behave a certain way. Well, if you've run labs and you've correlated those with how they feel, look, here's why you feel so crappy or look so crappy, uh, and here's how to fix it. And so that's very motivating. We're often the first practitioner that's actually showed them lab work that has any relevance that they can understand. Many, as you know, Brian, they've been, They've been told nothing's wrong with them. Their blood work looks normal. Well, it looks normal. You know, go try diet and exercise. Yeah, go try that. <laughs> As if they haven't already. You know, so it, it's it's a very cool system. It just works. So I'm a client, and I come in, and you tell me the dress model, and um, my diet my diet's all right. Um, you tell me to rest, but I have 15 kids at home, so that's never going to happen. Exercise, you know, I do some squats throughout the day and I do some push-ups, so I'm, I'm at least moving and I'm chasing 15 kids around. Um, stress, again, I have 15 kids, then I have work, um, so that's going to that's gonna be hard for me to take care of. But supplements, I, I could get on board with that. I just, I mean, if I can take some pills and that fixes the problems and balances out all those nutrients. That sounds pretty good, especially since we come from a 
you know, a country that loves taking a pill to fix issues. So how do you, in a situation like that, where someone has a lot going on and it's really hard for them to, um, you know, break out each different factor and try to figure out, okay, even if you have 15 kids, you know, what can, how can we make it less stressful and how can we, um, get you more rest and stuff. And especially someone that just wants to take a pill, the magic pill to fix everything. How do you work with that? Yeah, well, it's an interesting attitude and we both know where it comes from, you know, because we're a pill oriented uh, society, at least the Western world tends to go that way. Um, And sometimes you can just sort of swap that out with some other thing. You know, we do a lot of, of swapping of one habit for another. Um, First of all, that, never works uh matter of fact when i first started learning i told you i went to the school with the chiropractor and it was all supplement based it was you know poke around and do a few uh assessments and then sell them some supplements and people after a month might buy the second month's worth so you sell them a month's worth of supplements and then they come back for a reassessment and if they're feeling you know, okay, you know, they might believe in it for another month or two, but after that, they're done. You know, if it hasn't worked, they say it doesn't work. And if, and this reason is they left out the D-R-E-S. They only did the final S, you know, and that's what it took me 10 years to figure out. Maybe I'm a slow learner, but supplements alone just aren't going to get the job done. They are supportive. You can stimulate your immune. Like if you're getting on a plane, I pop some stuff because it helps, but you, you better get it all together. And, um, uh, so pill poppers, you know, that's good. At least they'll take their supplements, but then you just take the next weakest area. And it might simply be, I put this into the category of stress reduction, not really having their purpose well-defined and being self-aware enough to, uh, take a few minutes in the morning. If I could take, take that person with 15 kids and have them take two minutes in the morning, to do a little bit of uh, self-awareness routine and to uh, call upon their subconscious a little bit and just to become a little bit more aware than they, you know, that's one step. Remember we said, there's no one at the top of the stairs. You're somewhere in here and there's a lot of people down below and they have a lot of steps to take. It might just be become a little more self-aware so that they could start to Organize. If I had 15 kids, I'd create three basketball teams. You know, that's what I'd do. I'd make, I'd do something with it. I would, I'd, I'd create a street, street cleanup crew and we'd all go do something useful every day as a team. You know, that's just how I think and work. I have, you know, right now 23 people work for me, but I've had many, many more in my environmental career. Um, and, and we're just getting started, you know, so we're going to, uh, organize the whole family around, keeping mama or papa healthy so that we can, and then you're, you're all going to like, you know, the, it, it tends to fall, you know, uh, downstream from there. If, if you're doing things, because otherwise you're going to be running around putting out fires and it's just going to be horrible. You know, you, you got to get everyone thinking, you know, using the same paradigms and point of view and stuff. It, it could actually be really joyous to have 15, you know, like I love kids. I coached football for 15 years, so I love kids, youth football. And um, we helped a lot of them get over their asthma and ADD and HD and, and all these all these silly things, you know, by being more organized, by eating, by following dress, running some labs, 
the following dress. So I, I would take that person on like I take on every person. That the principles, the principles involved apply to everybody. And there's natural consequences that are inescapable. Whether it's bad behavior or good, you will reap the reward. That that you know, the the seeds were you know, you know what I'm saying. Perfect. I love that. Um, do you have any final things you want to say before we wrap this all up? Oh, just, you know, I, I don't know. When you talk about pathogens, which was kind of the topic for today, it's just one more contributor to metabolic chaos. And you definitely, if it's very, you know, testing is good and you can rule out that you don't have something that's going to kill you. Um, and that's why physicians are good people to run it by because they know the downside better than anyone. They study disease and they know how, where it can go. And sometimes you could have a, uh, a condition that's where, where the downward spiral is so contracted that you need medical intervention. In other words, the observations I make as a health coach can't be capitalized on because this person's going south too fast. Well, we got to get them, you know, out of the woods or, um, I've had a, one of my, um, cohorts, you know, uh, talk about they're drowning. They need a life jacket. They get them over to the side of the, the pool or whatever. And now, now we can uh, take care of them from there. So integration is important. And um, yet the real strength of getting well is in the purview backyard of a health coach. And uh, we play well with others. Though. And then my final question is, what do you do each day to keep yourself healthy? Well, I kind of just mentioned it. You know, I, I get up every day and decide it's going to be a good day because I'm not always sure, you know, especially if I'm dreaming or there's something going on, stuff like that. And I try to make a conscious decision. Talked a little bit about self-awareness there. I put my feet on the ground outside and, uh, and think about that, you know, having a positive day. And th that way I try to attract positive energy. You know, so um, th I think that's a conscious decision every day. Check your point of view. Is the cup half empty or half full? Just tell yourself it's half full. Just keep saying that, and it will manifest in one way, shape, or form at some time. Now, I do other stuff, too, but that's that's the way I started. Awesome. Well, you're doing some great stuff over at Functional and Diagnostic Nutrition, um, and people can learn more about the programs that you offer at summitforwellness.com slash FDN. Um, is there any social media platforms or anything that you are also on? Yeah, I think we're on all of them. I have a team that's, that's more inclined to that. I, I started this business, and all I had was a pager on my hip, you know, in the belt clip pager. And and I did it without internet, without stuff. I built one of the busiest nutrition practices in the country, you know, without using the internet. So um, it, it's amazing what you, the, today's technology, remarkable, but I'm not that person, but I hired the right people. And yes, we're on everything. Thank you so much, Reed, for coming on. I really appreciate everything that you shared with us. And um, I would love to have you back on in the future. Reed shared some valuable points and provided a great framework to get started with improving your health with the DRESS acronym. If you want to learn more about functional diagnostic nutritionists, then you can go to summitforwellness.com slash FDN to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would be extremely helpful if you left a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. If you could click on that little rating button just real quick, that will help more people to find the show and I would really appreciate it. And next week, 
I have Ryan Foley on the show, so let's go learn a little bit more about him. I am here with Ryan Foley. Hey, Ryan, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a physical therapist by trade, but when we when I teach people about when I teach students and other therapists about movement and pain rehabilitation, a lot of what got me into this field was actually the world of prosthetics and robotics, and I merged a lot of the principles that I learned from that with the the rehab that I do from a movement standpoint. And people kind of think that's that's quite weird, but we can gain an awful lot of insight into how we can improve our movement capacity by looking at um, what happens in prosthetics and robotics and engineering. Um, it's not a massive part of uh, our approach, but we use lots of different principles there. So I think that's quite unique because I think it's it's not really often that you see those kinds of connections in the physical therapy world. And then what will we be learning about in our interview together? We will be learning about why people express pain. What are the things that we can do to ultimately reduce the need for the expression of pain in the body? We can, we're can. we going to go into how evolution has actually allowed for our body to be expressed and designed in a certain way and how we can actually how we can actually exploit that to build more robust movements and how people in pain can improve upon that and how physical therapists can actually use this information to improve their, their, their treatment and rehab approaches too. What are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Yeah, so with this one, for me, I'm, I'm from Ireland and I'm living in Ireland currently. I actually moved back from the US a couple of years ago and when I came back from the US to Ireland, again, a lot more natural food, a lot more fresh food and real food um, was something that I, I really missed when I was in the US. <laughs> It's a, it's a lot harder for me to, it was a lot harder for me to eat healthier in the US. And so when I came back, the real food is the biggest thing. I felt that I needed more supplements. I needed more kind of additions to my nutrition when I was in the US to, to maintain um, a healthy body and a healthy digestive system. But now it's, it's really just a case of eating real kind of wholesome food that doesn't have an awful lot of ingredients in it when you look at the, the food label. So that, that would be the biggest thing for me. And then what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Yeah, so biggest things for me is to, to check in with your breathing capacity. How well are you breathing on a daily basis? That would be key. And there's, there's many things that you can use to check in with your breathing, capacity, your breathing capacity. Number two, it would be reframing your, your perception of stress. So we inherently think of stress as a bad thing, but if we can strategically... Uh, apply stress to our system to share stress over a greater surface area over a greater over a greater um over cross tissue structures and systems i think we can improve our overall capacity and our robustness with movement and our overall movement um our movement efficiency so just reframing your your perception of stress and, no, and number three is getting a better sleep making sure that you wake up well rested if you don't wake up well rested you might need to check in with your your breathing as well and how you actually set up your sleeping routine. So I think those are three big things that I would definitely like to get across to people. Pain is such an interesting sensation for anyone to experience, and there is so much more to it than we could ever expect, which Ryan teaches us all about. So until then, keep climbing to the peak of your health.